We're operating in a worldview and a theology. We're like, no, no, no. Your relationship with your matters. Your relationship with your soul matters. There's this place as an artist where everyone else is running for cover from the rain. You want to climb the church steeple and you want to get struck by lightning. At the end of the day, you don't get a medal for being in pain and not taking anything. All you do is hurt everyone around you. John kind of thinks for a moment and he goes, This is the thing that I would want every young man to know. Today, we're talking about marriage. Specifically, our marriages. The uh, The rest of the crew here had actually kypoed the podcast studio. So we took our mobile recording studio on the road and found somewhere no one would hear us talking about our marriage and our wives and ways we think we're loving them or not loving them well. Yes, yeah, so we wanted to jump into this topic. Felt like a, the best way to do it would just be to share some raw stories with you guys, where we're loving our wives, where we're experiencing growth as married men. If you're not married, stay tuned. Lots of good stuff in here for you too. But I've been married two years. And I've been married four as of you know 2017. So young marriage, obviously. There's some hum- humility there. But um, what we've really found like in this conversation to be important is ways that you're advocating for your wife and moving towards her. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ansons Podcast. We're here with our mobile studio, kind of taking it for its first time out. So if the audio sounds a little different, that's why. This is Blaine. And this is Sam. And today we are tackling a topic that feels a little bit vulnerable. It's actually about our marriages, our wives, what we're doing to love them well, what's hard, and um, what's current there. So <laughs> we're we're not h- hanging it out there like we are the marriages that could go to the marriage Olympics. This isn't the, no, you know, let me just give you some uh, prime examples of how you're failing and you could be doing it better. Not a lot of young guys in our world are married at our age. I think we did get married a little bit young. I know that, you know, that we have some friends who are, some who are getting engaged, some who are just dating, some who are just, you know, wanting to be in that season and they're not. And so it's something that actually ends up, I think, coloring a lot of conversations and a lot of the ways I think about the world, even if I may not realize it. Totally. I think the thing I'd throw in there is, even if you aren't married, actually the stakes that people are working through in their marriages are totally applicable uh, to your life. Not only to your relationships, but actually I'm finding, um, because it relates back again and again to my life with God and actually to the maturation of my heart that most of the things that I'm experiencing in my marriage, um, I could have gone through and I could have uh, unpacked outside of one, which might have taken the pressure off a little bit or at least given more space to sort through those things. But I think where I want to start with this is what's one thing that is difficult right now? I mean, what's one place that is creating tension uh, for you in the situation of your marriage? And I can actually go first because I know um, because we just had a baby and we've talked about that a little more uh, on another podcast. But basically, our life has been entirely capitulated um, by the entrance of a daughter, which has been totally awesome. But what I am also finding is that having a daughter 
has totally accelerated uh, the pace of wrestling and restoration for Emily's heart. I think what we're kind of seeing like almost daily as Emily is learning to take care of Ailish, that it actually comes up against uh, or provokes something deep in Em's heart uh, relationally or in her own identity as a daughter uh, that we might not have ever found until a child came along. I remember realizing that a lot of the time when a guy becomes engaged, the pressure gets like massively increased and uh, it's not uncommon for that period to be like not only stressful for all of the obvious reasons like having to plan a wedding, um, but also because once you enter an engagement, I think you'll usually find that it's going to allow for a number of things to come up uh, in the heart of your fiance that you never would have looked for. And in as much as that's true, I think that's been much more true since Ailish has come along. Yeah, it feels like with each new season, you are discovering new layers and new aspects and new ways that you've been subconsciously thinking about the world, relating to the world, and certain things pull that out. Certainly, getting engaged was one, getting married another. I can't imagine you know, the, the stage of a child and, and all of that, but it feels like we have these ways of interacting that we may not actually be aware of, and certain things make us very aware. So for instance, uh, Susie and I were back in Minnesota a couple of years ago and we were given a, a job offer, which would require us moving Susie, stepping away from uh, the city where her family is and finishing up a program there. She was going to be walking away from kind of a sure job. And it was like dropping a depth charge down into the deep. And if you don't know what a depth charge is, they're like those barrels from movies like U571 that uh, destroyers would set to a certain depth and use to attack submarines that were lurking below the surface. And for us, it didn't destroy the submarine so much as it awoke things that were deep down that wouldn't have gotten addressed otherwise. Um, For Susie, that was this idea of dreams and like, how do we navigate uh, different dreams and shared dreams in this space of marriage and especially when they con- when they conflict. And for me, it was on like the ability to make choices um, on my own. I think I was, I was definitely looking to, to others to give me some input and would often take their advice to heart. I think more than I would trust my own. I don't know that we would have experienced what was lurking there if it hadn't gotten provoked. And so more currently, we are you know, working in the springs, doing jobs that we've been looking towards for a while, You know, living in suburbia, making house payments, expecting a child. And there are some days where we're like, how did we get here? Um, it's really easy to drift onto autopilot and just stick with what's comfortable um, and there's also part of us that hate that we, 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 we've talked about selling everything and buying a sprinter van and just driving South and kind of running away from the responsibility and the normal coasting of suburbia or suburgatory. And we have to wrestle with that. Like that makes things tricky as we try to navigate 
dreams and expectations and futures in a context that's like constantly changing. And we're not always aware what the motivator is until we drop that like depth charge and we have to like wrestle with what surfaces. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about it, um, kind of putting the language of an opportunity or like a, some, a positive circumstance around uh, that confrontation. But in my experience, that's not usually how they start. What in, what have you found is helpful? Are you actually able to keep that vision in front of you in the space of working through something difficult? Like, man, this is awesome. We're totally getting to the deep stuff in our hearts. This is going to produce such great fruit. Like, I'm so glad that I... Who has that reaction? Nobody has. no one. Yeah. No, it's more crap. I didn't realize we were not on the same page. Or, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? Whether that's something that's rising up in her or rising up in me. There's this, um, wait, is this reconcilable? Is this formative for who you are? Is this something that we're going to be able to work through? Or did I just bump against an iceberg and this thing is huge and probably bigger than I realize and is a truer essence of who you are. Um, those are all things that run through my mind or I assume her mind as well. We're like, I wonder if I married someone that I fully know. And I think that that in many ways we do in many ways we don't because I love that she remains a mystery. I love that she, um, is inviting me into new ways of knowing her and I'm doing the same. But yeah, in those moments, it's not always easy to hold that out there and go, you know, this is going to be great. We're going to work through this. We're going to get to new levels in our relationship and actually we're going to be better people afterwards. In the moment, it's, is it okay that we just don't talk about this for a while? Can we just pretend that we aren't uh, having what feels like a crisis of direction and that's sometimes where you leave it for a day or two or seven. You know, hearing you talk about that you marry someone that you don't really know. I'm just laughing, uh, thinking about my own experience and I'm just increasingly convinced that you actually end up uh, marrying a person who just thwarts you. Uh, and I, that doesn't sound very good. Well, it's actually, I think part of the way that like, you know, insofar as, you know, Emily is also like a phenomenal uh, partner for me. Like she's, the way that she's uh, composed, I can say really fortunately, like fits in so well with the tendencies of my own heart. But also Emily, you know, with the way that she is engineered, she so effectively uh, just inhibits the places that I would operate out of a default that actually are operating apart uh, from wholeness. Like, you know, for me, that tends to be to jump in to just a pretty insane degree, uh, taking on like jobs, relationships, little interventions, and most of it, you know, motivated by like fear and concern for what the world is going to be like and who else is going to intervene. And Emily is like, the consummate, if you cannot convince me that God is actually in that long term, I am not going to go there with you. Hmm. I remember uh, calling Susie like the a mirror from Beauty and the Beast that could sort of reflect back to you who you were and speak 
uh, words about what that looked like and how that was really tough, um, especially in early marriage because you're, I was confronted with just how you know selfish I could be or how irritable I could get over small things or the ways that I would interact with people. Like I could be on and pleasant for about an hour and then I would be exhausted and not want to be around them. And she could see me when I was just all like off and when I was on and all the time. And I've, I've seen that also be like a, a challenge for people to get married later because they definitely are more set in their ways in not, uh, it's harder to hear those words. It's hard to be like, did you know you do this? Did you know that, for instance, Blaine, you go really hard charging? And we're at a season right now where we can kind of go, oh, shoot. Okay, yeah, I want to address that. And I could see how 20 years from now, if that was the first time you were hearing that, you might be a little bit more recalcitrant, which is not to you know bash on people who get married later or say that's necessarily worse. It's just a very, like it's just a different set of issues. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This is pretty uh, advice-y, but I would definitely say it is true that if you are experiencing the person that you're in a long-term relationship with as being utterly confounding to the fluid progression of your life, that very often might mean uh, that they are perfect for playing a particular role in your restoration that I find it to be very true time and time again that many times the places that I find or I feel like Emily is just like handicapping uh, my movement are actually places uh, that need to be looked at much closer because they're actually not whole. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about that and going, I knew that when Susie would do sort, those sorts of things to me, that though it felt like handicapping or like I was being criticized, which you know always feels awesome, that something in me was going, yes, like I want you to call those things out because I knew that she was like had my best in mind and could see a part, a version of me that was better, that was you know a better man than I was at the moment in time. And I could feel that as well. So as like frustrating as it could feel, I could also name that she was calling me to be a better man. And so not just somebody who thwarts or who, you know, stops, because that could actually be really manipulative, but actually someone who does that on your behalf for like to make you a better person that calls you out and like, you know, you, you don't get to be angry like that. Where is that coming from? Which is a hard thing to hear. You like it's comfortable to probably be doing what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. And that's exactly like I mean that was something that totally drew me to her. That's such a great clarification because you know as I'm working around this, you know, marriages and relationships of all kinds. It's almost silly to say, but are complicated. I don't want to describe a situation where uh, a person is actually just moving against you. Uh, in a harmful way and saying, that's them helping you, uh, because I don't think it is. But there is that really interesting thing where I find where the problem is Emily's disposition. And if she would change the way that she were thinking about, you know, a part of our life, then everything would be solved. Here's my example. Emily is uh, probably one of the most um, skilled introspective people that I have ever met. Like her knowledge of her 
internal world and her awareness of like what's happening in her heart and what's connected to what and you know what might be brokenness and what is something that she just wants to work on like is just astonishing and you know that's a great gift and what it also means is we have plenty of opportunities um to enter in and like pray through something together like oh man i'm experiencing this in relationship with this person i really think it's like tapping into these dynamics and like in my youth um, or these things that I've experienced in the past couple of years. And this is really a place that God needs to come. And it's really interesting because even though I know that going after those things is going to increase Emily's flourishing, like it really is going to make her a more whole, more enjoyable, like more thriving person to live with. What I experience in my heart is this like kind of deep, not again. Like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, this is the <laughs> third morning in the row. And it's interesting because I find myself thinking, like, man, if you just weren't so introspective, like, if you were kind of just willing to let, like, some of this stuff, like, pass unanalyzed, like, and we prayed half as often, then that would be a workable rhythm. And, like, this thing, you know, wouldn't be something that I have to work through in my marriage with you. Um, but it's pretty funny because just recently, a lot of this stuff has been kind of coming up in real time around raising Alish, and you know it was like the kind of third thing uh, in you know a ten day period where she's like, I think this is really big, and I'm thinking through my head going like, it's never not really big. It's always really big. <laughs> oh, so, seriously. Uh, and that thing starts to come up in my heart, and of like, if you just only. Which just kind of know, Emily, which of these to push on and which of these to let go. I wouldn't be in this position right now. And it's just one of those moments where like, you just kind of feel uh, like the prompting of the Holy Spirit, like giving you a totally different interpretation. <laughs> and like, what he says is, yeah, Blaine, this has nothing to do with um, whether or not Emily is uh, attentive to her own heart. And this, is, this has to do with the fact that you do not walk with me in responding. Sheesh. Yeah. And so, you know, it was interesting. Like, I'm thinking through that. I'm also trying to, like, keep my game face on. It's like, I'm still praying with Emily. We're right in the middle of things. This is, like, just kind of happening over on the sidelines. And I don't really do anything at that time. But later, I kind of try to work through it with Morgan here on our staff. And it was interesting because his thing back was, you know, it's really important in your relationship with your wife to know uh, which of two ways you're going to sin. And he's like, your sin will never be to not engage. Uh, and there's plenty of men for whom the sin is that they're going to pull back, that they're never going to step in. Yours is that you're always going to. And I kind of went, oh, well, yeah, like I can see how that's problematic. But honestly, I consider my intervener to be like one of my positive attributes. So I set it aside for, you know, a few more days. Um, but it came up. It's really funny. I often, like, kind of, when I have a conversation like that that involves Emily, I kind of resolve, like, I'm not going to talk about this with Emily right away um, because I still want to think through it and, you know, it, it involves our life. And so probably I should come to a conclusion and then bring it back to her. But kind of, like, inevitably, when she asks, like, what's going on, it's the very first thing I talk about. And she then pointed out, actually brought things full circle, like, kind of feels like you don't trust 
God to come through for me. And you actually don't trust him to uh, advocate for you to my heart in these circumstances. So you just jump in every time. Hmm. Which, yeah, I can just tell you that kind of like hit the nail on the head, so to speak. Hmm. Um, where what had just started with like, I just wish that you were less introspective um, and that would solve this problem. Got moved a step down the line to actually you intervene way too often. You intervene kind of indiscriminately, like when there's something to respond to, which kind of led to like, well, the why is that? Like, why am I motivated that way? Which kind of revealed this thing of like, uh, well, one, you're concerned that Jesus won't actually like come through for your wife in a reasonable time frame. Um, and you'll just have to like watch her work through something difficult for a really long time. But even more so, um, you're concerned that he'll kind of leave you in this situation where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't without advocating for you to your wife of like, actually, you know what? He shouldn't respond right now. It totally wasn't even on my radar. Like one, that that's something that I would like Jesus to do or that he would do for a person was actually like help interpret them to their spouse. Uh, But two, that I really kind of thought that he wouldn't. Um, And that in the absence of that, kind of the only way forward was to like jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in. And after finding those things, you know, it's not like, oh, cool. I'm so glad that I realized like how this dynamic worked in my heart, like never going to operate that way again. But it totally has opened up the opportunity in that circumstance with Emily of like making a real choice where like she starts to be like, I think something's coming up in my heart. I think it has to do with provision. I think it has to do with my childhood. And like, it actually is on my radar to be like, Jesus, should I jump in now? And if I don't, will it be all right? Like, will you, you know, cover this place and Emily tell the right time? Will you like help her not to be like mad that I'm not jumping in or feel abandoned because I'm not intervening for her? Like, what's the right timing for this? And that has actually been awesome. It sounds like the kind of stuff that not a lot of people do or have or are like the process of learning. I hear in that a lot of the the playing out of what can feel like tensions, what can feel like the verdicts on your failure um, or what felt like success, but then was revealed as failure to an extent by your spouse. And then how you're able to own that and walk in that. I mean, if that's, if that's like a, not a formula for, like redempting redemption in marriage. Like, I don't really know what else would be because you are operating one way and you are given feedback on actually the effect of that. And then you are able to respond um, each time from that new place. I think that's, I mean, truly Emily's gift to you that you would not have experienced outside of marriage. You just nailed it too, but it's worth uh, me throwing in there that that basically uh, only developed because I think I made it through like most of college and probably a lot of time before then without ever knowing what my motivations were. Uh, but it took being confronted with another person um, who was going to like keep pointing things out and keep asking questions to like learn the skills of uh, kind of following the game trail of motivation like into my own heart to find out what am I hoping to get here? What am I afraid here? Uh, what am I operating 
in the light of as though it were true. And those things are still honestly really coming on board for me in real time. As I think about marriage and young marriage, um, only, you know, four years of for us this last January, I've been thinking about just ways that I feel like I love Susie well, which is almost a scarier category than how I'm failing. I feel like the the failing category is abundant and I can just, you know, stick my arm in that, that, that like, barrel and just see what bites me first and hold that up. It's like the claw thing at the supermarket. <laughs> and to say ways that I'm doing well is almost like a, I wish she was here so she could tell me if that's true or not. And I'm also kind of grateful that she's not here, but she'll hear this later and and then tell me <laughs> because it's it is vulnerable. Like I think I try really when we were dating, I I would often shut her down. Um, she'd have like ideas to do things or want to talk about certain things or go to certain places or you know I, I, would, I would kind of have my own agenda in mind and. Uh, didn't really go well. And at some point in our dating relationship, I had I shifted um, actually after we broke up to wanting to say yes and wanting to be a space where I get to like delight in her and she gets to feel delighted in. And when I fail that, I think that's when I often feel internally like the most, I think, sadness and failure as a husband, um, which is why it's a, you know, a tender place to say, I think I do this well. Like, I think I, I think I can be attuned to her from time to time. We'll say just to be safe and say, yes, she called me today while at work to ask if we could, you know, take a thermos of chai and go walk around the lake that we love in town and just sip chai and and be together on a walk. And I love that. And love that she wants to do it and love that I was in a space where it was easy to say yes and say, you know, I'm looking forward to it and let's do it and like whatever else, you know, let's let's do whatever else you'd like to do too. And that can only get harder. Uh, it's not always easy to say yes to those sorts of things. It's easier to say no. It's easier to be exhausted. It's easier to withdraw personally. But I'm learning to actually wanting to make space for her heart and wanting to see what the desire is in there. And sometimes when I say yes and move in there, I see a lot of the little girl who mm. um, may not have received that. And like, it's precious. And when I say no, I often see the little girl then and, and my heart breaks and I go like, oh my gosh, no, like, of course I want to say yes to you. And and so those are ways that I don't always do, but love when I do and, and uh, love that she provides opportunities that she keeps asking that her heart hasn't gone underground because there's at least some space for engagement and for questions to be asked and for desires to be spoken and the hopes of being met. And it's a, it's not always glamorous. Like sometimes it's just a walk with some chai tea and I love those small moments. Yeah. I love hearing that because hearing you tell that story and having observed those things like, you know, in you guys, cause we live really close to you. There's just this thing in play of, um, that you know your wife's heart. You were able to talk about seeing the young places or like, you know, you can see the girl and and knowing the kinds of things that will make her feel cared for. And I th- feel like even on like, like a basic level, there's just this thing of like, you know, where am I doing well in my marriage? And as you were talking, I was wondering like, man, well, like, man what does that mean? But then having the example of your story, it felt like, oh, okay, well, places that you are 
aware um, and have learned your wife's heart um, and its needs and what will make it uh, feel cared for, what will like attend to some of the deep needs in her and being able to make choices on purpose in the light of those things. Like, yeah, right. Because otherwise you're making choices blind. And if you don't know her story, if you haven't asked those questions, if you haven't pursued her and earned the right to hear her story, and you will respond in probably some pretty negative ways. Because like we are drawn to people who pull us out in ways that we long to be pulled out, we're also drawn to people whose wounding and warfare matches up with ours perfectly, like these puzzle pieces. And so that we're, our natural inclination might be to do some serious damage to each other or to affirm some pretty negative things back and forth in this, you know, ping pong game of, of wounding. And yet, if you know her story, if you have earned that right and, and invited her to share it and that you know ways that she typically was related to or the ways that she feels neglected or does she struggle, like, was this a, a message of her life? then you're able to have these decisions made in a context where for me, like no and yes, the the response to her invitation is massive for her story. And so I get to know that, that for me, it's not just, ugh, can I have some me time? It's, oh no, this is part of a larger story for her heart that I am participating in. And I love delighting in you. And it couldn't be just that, but often... And more often when I'm not aware of it, it's a verdict that is part of a larger story. Otherwise, I feel like I end up as the guy in that YouTube video who makes the other guy the crazy drink. I made this for you. It's like, I am loving you well. I did this. How do you, I don't get it. I'm being an amazing husband right now. Like (laughs) I stayed up all night listening to your story. You're like, yeah, but. And then she realizes, like, yeah, but I think what my heart needed was to work that out, like, process with God. And, like, wow, if I had just paid attention uh, to your story and to the situation, I think I could have been a part of making that decision well. But because I didn't do that, I ended up just being like, I made this for you. Your husband <laughs> is a good listener. Uh, don't you hear how good of a listener I am? And then it becomes very obvious that it's actually about you and less about her. Dude, that's the worst. <laughs> It happens all the time. Totally, totally does. But that's okay. It's okay to name it and learn from it. One of the things that I think of recently that kind of blows my mind is when Emily will tell me, like, it'll look like there's something that Emily needs to work through. Like, you know, we were just with a group of people. We were just with, you know, my family for dinner and then left in a hurry. And it felt like there were some like tensions that emerged and... Um, I'll be like, okay, this, what we need to do right now is work through this for like Emily and, but what, you know, what she'll actually ask or like what I'll be aware of is that I'm just going to like swallow the things that I'm working through. Like just kind of like keep a lid on all the stuff that's coming up in me, like try to respond with care to the things that are coming up in her. And like, that'll be a great solution, which it never is. But with the times that I'm actually able to tell M, like, I think these are the stakes for me. I think that, you know, I wish I could think of a concrete example right now, but when I'm actually willing to share the process of my heart with Emily, rather than like taking the excess cost onto myself and working through her part and calling that good, it's amazing the number of times that that actually fixes it uh, or addresses the pain 
without having to address Emily's heart with her. Well, she'll tell me like, just hearing you, it's so good for me to hear you work through that, work through how that's affecting you. Yeah. At this point in marriage, I am making an assumption that me being able to process and share internally and externally, her being able to process internally and externally, and us in understanding each other's stories is the way that we have a even an accurate barometer for when we're loving well or when we're not loving well. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, well, she cried this one time when I did this thing, but I don't understand why. And this other time, she seemed super happy, but I guess it's like chick stuff. Like she just, you know, was like super emotional. I don't know. And then you like, you really are bumbling around in the dark unless you have some idea of what's your, what is motivating you and what's motivating her and understanding her kind of begins with understanding her story and hearing that. And that's just like this assumption that I've made at this point, which is that like, if you're married or moving towards marriage or been married for a very long time or a very short time that you've asked and that you've heard it. That reminds me of some super bad advice that I was given uh, when I was entering a marriage. Basically, this older couple was talking to us and being like, you guys, like going into marriage, like you don't know like what things frustrate her and what things frustrate you and you know, like what the tone of voice is that just sets you off. Essentially what they were working towards is like so that you can avoid doing those things. And I totally think it's important to know the situations that make M feel vulnerable or abandoned uh, or not heard. Like on the one hand, that's absolutely important. But there's this key element where just trying to figure out the things that make a person feel unsettled isn't enough if your plan is to kind of just like avoid them. Like, yeah, you know, I don't really like it when we have to uh, hurry to get somewhere. It stresses me out. We've organized our lives so we never have to do that. And on the one hand, that's like totally helpful. Like, of course there's grace and of course there's wisdom and uh, not intentionally putting yourself in places that you know are going to elicit your brokenness. But on the other hand, uh, there's this critical view of learning one another's stories and learning the things uh, that frustrate and that confound one another in order to actually work through them with this view on, actually, uh, we're not just trying to understand one another. We're trying to be um, advocates for and party to one another's redemption. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. You need to be sure to subscribe now and follow us on social media under Ann Sons Magazine. And of course, for articles and films, check out annsonsmagazine.com.